0: How many of y'all would say you've had some uphill hopes that was destroyed by some downhill habits? Anybody in the room? I've definitely been there. For example, I hope my finances improve this year. You know what, babe? Let's, let's go look at a new car this week. We can afford the payments, right? But imagine what would happen if we aligned our habits with our hopes. Instead of hoping that our finances improve while continuing on with wasteful f- spending, we write a budget and actually follow it. There is a second step to that. We deny short-term pleasures for long-term gain. So let's read our core scripture for this month's series, Romans 12.2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants for you, and think about responding to it. And quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down with its level of immaturity. Have any of y'all ever felt dragged down by the world? But God, He brings out the best in you, and He develops well-formed maturity in you. So today we're continuing our series called Uphill Habits, New Direction for a New Year. And last week, Chris Rose was here from Don't Look Back Prison Ministry, and he introduced habit number two, Control My Thoughts. Often there's one thing that's keeping us from connecting to God's plan for our life and it's what's going on between our ears. Your thoughts will determine your destiny. So if you're struggling with your thought life, it's worth the effort to get it sorted out. So the first step for you is to go on our website, nolimits.church and listen to that message last week if you missed it. And even if you heard it, maybe you need to hear it again. It'll always be there. And I also recommend that you go purchase the book called Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. If you haven't read that yet, That book is a game changer. So in the first week, I introduced habit number one, which was focus on what I do first. We talked about putting God first in everything by giving him the first of everything. That's why giving the first 10% of your income is so important, so that you can put God first in your finances. And our one motivation for, for tithing should be to put God first. And when we do that, he shows up in a big way. We also talked about giving God the first of our year by Committing to 21 days of prayer and fasting together as a church. And today is day 15. Y'all have made it over two weeks. And really, I hope it's been as impactful for you as it has for me. If you've kind of struggled with it, you know what? We probably all have. If you've been counting down the days till it's over, you're probably not alone in that either. But just know we only have six days left. So if you kind of like left it, left it a few days ago and kind of left it in the dust, go ahead and grab it back there and pick it up again. And let's finish these last six days strong and really dig into prayer every day. Watch that prayer service. Continue on with your fast. Even if you messed it up for the last week, go ahead and jump back into it and adjust it if needed. We talked about that last week, how... Don't feel condemned and don't like give up because like you messed up your fast. Maybe you kind of like was, were overzealous and you like committed to a fast that maybe you really couldn't do physically or whatever. It's okay to just go ahead and ju- adjust that if you need to and, and keep going forward. So, the whole purpose of fasting is so you can deny your flesh and let your spirit come forward and lead your life. Otherwise, we walk our lives, you know, being led by the flesh because it screams really loud. And so sometimes we just got to shut it down and say, nope, not listening to you. I don't care how loud you scream. You're just going to have to shut up and take a back seat, right? All right. So when we put God first in every area of our life, we can expect him to bless the rest. Actually, it's kind of like the stars align when we put God first in our lives, because all of his blessings start to show up in every area of our life. So I want you to make a decision to put God first in everything you do, regardless of how hard it is. There's going to be times you don't want to do it, And there's going to be times other people tell you not to do it. But make the decision that nothing's going to distract you from putting God first. No no expense is going to come before your tithe. You're not going to pick up your phone first thing in the morning. You're going to seek God first. That doesn't mean you have to get up and have an hour quiet time every morning. But what that means is that you force yourself first thing in the morning to put your thoughts on God. And say, God, thank you for this new day. I'm here for you. I'm living for you. Use my life today. This brings us to week three in our series. So here's habit number three, and that's keep my life aligned with my purpose. In other words, I have to keep my life in alignment with my purpose, because the world's going to do everything it can to get my life misaligned with God's purpose for my life and aligned with its purpose for my life. So why is this habit so important? Let me give you three reasons. The first one, because I have a purpose. Check out this scripture. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out, everybody say it, before a single day had passed. So before you were even born, God had a plan for your life. He wrote it out in a book, and he wrote out the exact purpose for your life. Some of y'all are thinking, well, I've done messed up the book, (laughs) right? I've added chapters to the book. But here's the deal. Even when we add our own chapters... As soon as we turn from our own way and back to God's way, he just picks it up where we left off. Somehow he makes his plan work even when we deviate. And it's not a plan B. It's not an inferior plan. It's the original plan that he planned for us long ago. When we turn from our purpose and back to his purpose— And this is confirmed in Ephesians. Take a look at this. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's confirmation that God has a plan for your life, even before you were alive. He didn't make you first and then wonder, what am I going to do with them? Hmm, I wonder what I can do with Cade, right? He's kind of a nerd and he's awfully skinny. Jesus, what do you think? That's not how it went down. God had a plan for your life before you even took your first breath. And not only that, but his plan works even when you think that you've messed it up. Now, don't misunderstand. Just because God wrote a plan for your life doesn't mean that everything that happens in your life is God's doing, right? In other words, anything in your life that has happened contrary to God's character and contrary to his word was not God. Now, I think we could all agree that we were not doing good things before we met Jesus, right? But now, like the scripture says, we're completely new in Jesus. And no matter how long it took you to come to Jesus, he's now accomplishing his plan for your life. In other words, God has a purpose for my life. And anything that's happened up to this point that wasn't according to his purpose was just stuff that the enemy tried to do to get me off of God's purpose. And you know what? I'm going to realign with God's purpose, we're going to pick up where we left off, and his purpose will still be accomplished in my life. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how long it took you to decide that you were going to pursue God's purpose for your life, you just jump in and you do it, and God's going to make it happen. I can promise you that. All right, so the second reason why this habit is so important is because there is competition for my time and my attention. Have you ever realized that credit card companies have a plan for your life? Have you ever realized that Facebook has a plan for your life? Actually, everyone and everything around you has a plan for your life. And if you let someone define your life, they will. And they'll have a really good time doing it. If you don't decide how you're going to live your life, the rest of the world is going to decide it for you. Some of you just had an aha moment. It just hits you that the world around you has designed your life the way it is right now. And you're ready to change that. And honestly, every single one of us has work to do in this area. Because most of us are just doing too much. We're buying too much. We're doing too much. And all of this is because the world tells us that more is better. Bigger is better. If $1 is good, $2 are? If one car is good, two cars are? If one child is good, two children are? A challenge, right? If one wife is good, two wives are wrong, right? I heard this story about a Bible school student who asked his professor, why did Solomon have so many wives? His professor responded, it was in hopes that one day when he came home from work, at least one of them would be in a good mood. Have you ever added something to your life and then quickly realized that it didn't belong in your life? And then you probably just kept on doing it because the people around you expected you to do it. And it still may be in your life today, and you're miserable because you know it doesn't align with your purpose. It's unknowingly stressing you out, not necessarily because it's a bad thing, it's just not the right thing for you. Take a look at this quote. An overwhelmed schedule will often produce an underwhelmed soul. When we feel depressed, when we feel discouraged, or when we feel distressed out, we often run out to just kind of treat the symptom without actually looking for the problem. And the problem might just be that there's too much on your schedule. You're working too much. You're involved in too many activities, even though they may be good activities. You're on your phone too much, trying to stay connected with those around you when your phone is exactly the thing that's keeping you disconnected with those around you. Take a look at this scripture. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says that better is one handful with quietness and peace than two hands full with painful effort, a vain striving after the wind and feeding on it. When we subscribe to the world's thought pattern that more is better, it's like trying to chase down the wind. Good luck. It's going to be painful and you're going to end up tired. Still, your desire will not be satisfied because I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you can't catch the wind. And you also can't catch more because it just keeps moving forward. There's always more. You know, the world tells us that being exhausted from working too much is a badge of honor. I'm tired because I worked long hours. Are you all impressed? But turns out God's not impressed by this behavior. Only those around you are impressed because they get to benefit from you being exhausted and you're striving. And actually, they're probably not impressed. They're just acting impressed so that you'll keep going and doing their work for him, Keeping your life aligned with your purpose means that you're going to have to fight off competition for your time and attention. All right, the third reason this is so important is because time is short. I believe that Jesus is coming back soon. Everything in our world kind of points that direction. And whether you believe he's coming back soon or not, life is short. In the past two years, I've watched families say goodbye to a two-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 50-year-old, And you know what? Even if you live to 90, that's a very short time period in comparison to eternity. We all have limited time, so there's really no room for us to live casually and apart from our purpose just to please or impress other people around us or to strive after having more and more and more. You know, this is summed up really good in the book of James. James 4.13 says, Look here, you who say, "Hmm, today or tomorrow. We'll go to this town, and we might stay there a year. We'll do business there and hopefully make a profit, right? But how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and do this or that. You know, we like to put things off till tomorrow, right? I know my kids shouldn't be involved in so many activities. We'll just make sure we don't do that again next year right? Or, I know I shouldn't be working this job, but I'm just going to kind of hang out here until a better opportunity comes along. Instead, our motto for life should be, if the the Lord wants me to, then I'm going to do it. And if the Lord doesn't want me to do it, even if it's a good thing, I'm going to eliminate it from my schedule as quickly as possible. We should live each day as if it were a day that would be remembered forever. Last week, I was invited to serve on the board of a nonprofit that's doing really great things in our community. You know, it's an honor that they would even think of me for this position. And on the surface, I was like, yeah, that's that's something I should do, right? That's a good thing. I'm a pastor. I should serve on the board of nonprofits too. But as soon as the leader of the organization offered me the invitation over the phone, I heard the Holy Spirit say, no, it's not for you. Even though it's a good thing to do, it really is. It's not what the Lord wants me to do. So I've given you three reasons why keeping your life aligned with your purpose is so important. Number one, because I have a purpose. Number two, because there's competition for my time and attention. Number three, because time is short. Now let's get into how to master the habit of keeping your life aligned with your purpose. Here's your first step. You got to decide what's important. A few years ago, I discovered that my life was not defined by the important. Yeah, I really thought it was. I mean, like I was a pretty uh, go-getter type of person who would cross a lot of things off my to-do list every day, right? Get a lot of things done, thinking that my life was aligned with my purpose. And then I read this book, and it introduced me to something called the Eisenhower Decision Matrix. You don't have to remember that name, but basically, it's just a concept that helps you differentiate between two things, what's urgent and what's important. Because if you're like me, I thought that what was urgent was important, I thought they were the same thing. So whatever task came across my desk that felt the most urgent, I would just dive in and get it done. And you know what? The people around me really loved that about me, right? But check out this quote from President Eisenhower. What is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. So let me give you an example. How many of you would agree that exercising is important? Everybody in the room, right? How many of you would agree that exercising is an urgent matter, something that takes priority in your schedule. Hmm. Now, how many of you would agree that the notifications that come come up on your phone feel really urgent? We all do, right? Now, how many of you guys have found that, that notification to actually be something really important? It's rare, isn't it? You're probably starting to see it now. The urgent tends to kind of like sweep in and steal your attention away from what's really important in your life. Like when our boss or our coworker texts us during family time, we run to our phone as if it's something, and we got to check it, you know, see what our boss said and respond and do this, even though it's something that could have waited till tomorrow, right? And in the process, we told our family, you're second place. When it wasn't an urgent, it wasn't an important matter at all. Your boss may have thought it was urgent, but it could have waited. I heard a story about a man who was at the Super Bowl. He had the perfect seats. Lined up at the 50-yard line. At least I guess those are perfect seats, are they? I'm not a football watcher. So, so if I'm going to a football game, I guess that's where I need to sit. I don't know. But this was the Super Bowl, and there was one empty seat next to him. And someone walked by and asked, who's that seat for? He said, it's for my wife. She passed away. Now, it was really moving that the guy would hold the seat in his wife's honor, because it's a really expensive seat, apparently, But when they asked, you know, well, why didn't you let one of your family members, you know, come sit in her seat? He responded, because they're all at the funeral. His wife's funeral. Some of you laugh, some of you don't. (laughs) Because it's funny and sad all at the same time, but it's really a perfect illustration of how easy it is to let our priorities get so easily out of line. Take a look at this scripture, Philippians 3.7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. In other words, here's what the Apostle Paul was saying. When I was doing my own thing, I thought it was greater than the God thing. But after I did the God thing, I realized that it was much greater than my own thing. Following the world's world's way and working your tail off so that you can have another dollar in the bank account pales in comparison to living out God's plan for your life, which results in peace, wisdom, and all of your needs being met without striving. You have to throw the world's plans and ideas in the garbage because they're worthless and they don't work. And people are going to make fun of you they're going to say you're crazy, but I can guarantee you that living out God's plan for your life is surpassingly greater than living out somebody else's plan for your life, and it's the only way you'll ever realize God's purpose for your life. And you got to dive in; you can't just dabble in it. Mm-hmm. God's plan, the world's plan—it's mm-hmm. more comfortable over here. You just got to dive into it, and you just got to do it. That's the only way that it works. You got to put your own agenda, your own ideas aside. And pursue God's plan for your life. Which leads us to step two. Give calendar time to the important things. So we just talked about the difference between important and urgent. And how it tends to take over our lives and our schedules. So you don't need to put the urgent task in your calendar. Because they're going to find their way of getting done. (laughs) But for the important to even have a chance, you have to schedule it. And this time has to be a safe place for the important. Where it doesn't have to worry about being bullied by the urgent right? I've been working on this very concept for several years now, and it's, it's a daily battle, honestly, but it's one that's worth fighting. I used to work all the time, and even when I was with my family, I was thinking about work because I love my work. I'm passionate about it, but now I force my work to fit in a certain place in my schedule. It gets nine to five Monday through Friday, so when it's 5 p.m., it's over. Work, you're done. That's all you get, And to help get work off my mind, what I do is I take a few minutes at the end of my work day to write down what I accomplished that day and then write down what needs to happen tomorrow. And it's something that I learned in a book, but that releases my mind to to just leave work there on that paper and go down and be with family. Otherwise, I go down and I'm like, I wonder what I need to do tomorrow. And I'm thinking about all these things, you know, it really works. That's just one example and one that I'm honestly still working on. Like I may be like 70% there doing good. I don't know. You'll have to ask Beth. Maybe I'm lying. (laughs) Maybe I, maybe I need a reality check this morning. She'll take me home and tell me all about it. But I've been working on prioritizing the important over the urgent within my work time as well. I fell into this habit of starting my work day by checking my emails and, and trying to like check off all those like urgent tasks that are on my schedule because like I had this theory that if I did that, it's kind of like plowing the way for the rest of the day to happen, right? But what happens is the urgent finds a way to take over my whole day. So I would end my day frustrated because I never made it to the important things that I wrote down in my planner, like writing out a marketing strategy or preparing for my next sermon. So for the past several weeks, I've been starting my workday by doing my most important task. And many times I open my email as soon as I sit down at my computer just out of habit. And I have to tell myself out loud so that I don't start checking emails. I'm just like, nope, you're not doing that right now. You're not doing that right now. Press the red X. And move on to your important task. And after I've made the progress that I've intended on my important task, then and only then do I move on to checking my emails and and doing all those things that other people need me to do, which usually happens right before lunch. So to say this is working is an understatement because I end my days much more fulfilled because I accomplished the important things that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart every day, at least one of them. It's not that I ignore the urgent, because there are urgent things that need to get done. It's just that I put the important things before the urgent things. It's really hard to do, but it's worth doing. And I also take a moment to decide, is, this, is the urgent task really that important? Or could I just cross it off and nobody would notice? Because there's a lot of those too. Kind of like keeping your house pick and span whenever you have small kids. Like it feels urgent, and then you just get to a point where you're just like, forget it. Because it's, it's really not important. It's not. So I tell you this to paint a picture of what it means to give calendar time to the important things. So now I want to tell you guys three things that we all need to prioritize in our schedules. And the first one is you need to make time for renewal. And the best way to do this is to set aside one full day every week for renewal. You'll often re- hear this referred to as a Sabbath throughout the Bible. And just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's not for us. It still works today. And here's what a day like this could look like. you Get up and you get on your knees and you stay there all day and pray to God. Some of us, that's how we envision the Sabbath, right? But here's what it really looked like. You come to church ready to serve and worship. And after church, you go out with a few people to lunch and you encourage them and you build meaningful relationships. And then you go home and you take a nap if you don't have small kids. If you do have small kids, you don't take a nap. You play with the kids and you take a walk. You say no to your phone. You say no to, wait, just let me get in a little bit of work. Just a little bit. Can I have like 30 minutes? Just say no to it. You simply rest, worship God, and love on others. You know that starting your week like this would make a huge difference, not just for you, but for those around you, especially your family. So why not make a decision to do it and be so determined that you don't let anything distract you from it? Because here's the deal. You can get more done in six days by giving the first day to God, than you can by working your tail off for seven days straight. And here's the second thing we all need on our calendar, and that's make time for relationships. And let me preface this by saying that I'm not talking about spending more time on Facebook. And this may be a little strong, but I actually believe that Facebook degrades more relationships than it actually nurtures. I'll end my rant on Facebook there. We'll move on. But I know that we would all agree that quality relationships are a necessity in life. They bring us fulfillment, they bring us joy, they bring us loads of excitement. And the reason is God created it that way. He created us to be connected with each other. You know, Jesus led the example of this by prioritizing his 12 disciples. He spent loads of time just building relationship with those guys. And you know what? We could call this his small group. And for us to think that we can live limitless life in Jesus without being deeply connected to a small group of around 12 people— is really foolish. We can't do it on our own. As a church, we've ventured into small groups in the past, and they just kind of like fizzled out. And you know, it really makes sense that it's a hard it's hard to get them right because the last thing the enemy wants is for us to have thriving small groups at church. But imagine how much different your life would be if you had a small group of people lifting you up throughout the week, encouraging you and helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus. So in 2019, our one focus here at No Limits is to develop thriving small groups. That's what we're doing this year. I want every single member of our church to be involved in a small group, and I actually foresee our small groups having more people attending them than our weekend services. Small groups are not only going to be a source of strength for you personally, but they're going to serve as an outreach for those around you, because you can invite people to your small group because everybody's looking for connection. Small groups are essential to us as individuals, and they're a crucial element of our church if we're going to live limitless life in Jesus. So you're going to learn more about small groups over the next couple of weeks. We're actually going to launch them in the middle of February, and we're launching them in semesters. So like they'll have like a 13-week period, and then there'll be a break, and we're kind of working out all those details still. Chris Wills is going to lead us in this, and That's our endeavor this year, guys. That's what the Lord put on our heart as a leadership team. We all got together, and every single one of us agreed that small groups is what we need to focus on this year. So so I know it's God leading us, so just be praying into that and just be preparing your hearts to get involved in a small group. So we're talking about the important things to put on your calendar, and the first was make time for renewal. The second was make time for relationships. And here's the third, make time for reward. Because one day we're all going to stand before God, He's going to ask us what we did with our earthly life, and anything that's contrary to His purpose is just going to be burned up. And you know what? The church often uses that as a scare tactic, but fear is a lousy motivator, and God knows that. So I think the reason He tells us that He's going to burn all that stuff up, it's an encouragement that all of our past, all the mistakes we've made, is just going to be burned up in one second. Isn't that cool? what about the things that we did accomplish that were according to his purpose? He's going to reward those things because he knows that rewarding the right things is a great motivator. So you got to make calendar time to do the things that are going to bring you reward in heaven. Because it's not automatic that you'll do something like investing in the future. I mean, even if we're talking about like investing into our retirement, that's hard for most people. But if we're talking about investing in our eternal life, how many of us are prioritizing that in our calendar? So you've got to go out and help people. Go out and love on people. You can even come early on Sunday mornings and serve your church or stay after the service and serve your church or serve in kids' ministry. And you've got to make time to, to call other people. When the Holy Spirit puts people on your heart and says, hey, give them a call, encourage them, pick up the phone and do it. Those are the kinds of things that will get rewarded in heaven. All right, so let's move on to the next step in mastering today's habit, and that's you got to eliminate the non-essentials because all of us have those in our lives and in our schedules. And we need to be on a continual mission to get rid of them. And we're, not, we're talking about, you know, those things that maybe you're doing that somebody else should be doing. And we're even talking about the activities that may be considered good, like serving on a board, but it's not for you. And we're even talking about the act and we've been talking about the things that, you know, have taken over all your free time, that you never intended it to happen, like TV and video games and our phones and things like that. So instead of making a to-do list, many of us need to sit down and make a not-to-do list. I need to get rid of everything in my life that doesn't, ala- that doesn't align with God's purpose for my life, and the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead me in that. The book of Hebrews sums it up really nicely. Hebrews 12.1, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tra- trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, which leads us to step four. We've got to regularly take inventory. So let's take a moment this morning to reflect. I want you to ask yourself, where is my life out of alignment? And could it really be that the reason I'm so stressed out is because that I'm doing too much? And here's a prayer to get us started. Take a look at Psalms 39.4. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time is on earth. And remind me that my days are numbered How fleeting my life is. So, I want you to let this truth motivate you to throw off the non essentials, to say no to the urgent in favor of the important, and to continually make adjustments that keep your life aligned with God's purpose for your life. So, take a moment right now and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what needs to go on your not to do list. And go ahead and write these things down, either on your phone or a piece of paper. Some of you already know what that is because it was revealed to you earlier in the message. I want you to go ahead and write those things down, and I even want you to write a little deadline next to it of when it needs to be off your schedule.